failure. It's such an integral part of this podcast. Yet, how often do we really deep dive into what makes failure so dangerous sometimes? What makes failure so dark? What makes failure so difficult to get past? But in today's interview, we take the deep dive. We delve deep into what is failure all about? How can you move past it? And what's waiting for you on the other side? I'm excited about this interview and I can't wait for you to be there with us. This is the Way to Greatness podcast, where we explore the journey from failure and mediocrity to success and greatness. And now your host, Ari Gunsberg. Welcome back to The Way to Greatness. Today we have with us Mike Young. He's the founder of The Makeover Master. Mike, do you want to tell us a little bit more about what you do and actually what The Makeover Master is? Because I realized I just said it like everybody should know what it is, but nobody knows, or at least not on this show. So <laughs> give us the elevator pitch. Yeah, no problem, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it, Ari. And The Makeover Master, we help businesses get unstuck. A lot of times it's very difficult to see the forest through the trees from your own perspective. And so we have a lot of different ways that we do reviews for people. And essentially, we help get businesses going and working again. And the reason I do what I do is partly because of my own story, my own path to get here. It was very long and very expensive and very painful for me. And so I just have a real passion for helping other people figure out the game a lot quicker than I did. Sure. You mentioned the pain that you went through, and if it's okay with you, I would like to start with that and get deep down into that. Is that okay? Yeah, man. I'm at a place where I can laugh about it now. <laughs> good, 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 good. Let's go all the way back. So you were running a real estate firm. Yeah. I, out of college, I got into, I thought I was going to play professional baseball. When I realized that wasn't going to happen, I had a friend in the mortgage industry. She's like, hey, I think you'd be great at this. And and next thing I knew it, I was in the mortgage industry as a loan officer. And about five years in, I got the bright idea to start my own company. I never really liked following other people's rules and regulations and those types of things. Like a lot of entrepreneurials are wired. <laughs> I think a lot of us know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> you know, I got together with five buddies. We started a company from scratch and grew it from the six of us to 250 employees and 10 offices in less than five years. This was a mortgage company? Yeah, a mortgage company in, in Oregon and Washington and Idaho is what we grew it through. Oh, so it was only in those three states? Yeah, we were uh, fairly localized to the Northwest. Okay. I was just wondering if I would have heard of it, but I'm in the Northeast. Yeah, it was, it was called Alpine Mortgage back in the day. And we kind of just started out like saying, hey, we want to create our own rules. And we want to, not necessarily that we're trying to break rules. We were just like, we just wanted to serve our clients in the best possible way. And we got tired of some of the, uh, the paperwork and compliance that comes in, along with the industry. Before I knew it, we had grown to, you know, like I said, 10 offices, 
massive complexity. I was getting a couple hundred emails a day. We had a couple hundred employees. Um, I was in charge of sales and marketing. And, you know, right before the, the housing crisis of 2008, uh, we were wildly expanded and, and highly leveraged. And so when the housing crisis in the U.S. hit, it took the company down with it. It took a lot of my bank account down with it. I was telling you before we started recording, I went from liquid millionaire to $200,000 in debt in less than six months. Liquid, liquid millionaire, meaning can you get, just give me an idea of your net value? Yeah, I had a couple million dollars between assets and everything else. But if I if I wanted to, I could have could have just cashed it in and had a million bucks cash in the bank. Okay. Meaning you, you're not talking like a millionaire, like you had total assets of 10, 20, 30 million, but like liquid millionaire in the sense that you had access to a million plus in cash if you needed. Yeah, yeah. Right, cool. And total assets, maybe two million bucks at its height, two and a half million bucks sure. as far as everything. You know, it felt like it got stripped away. It felt like... I had done what society had always told me to do. Finish high school, go to college, get a job, start your own company, buy a big house, get a couple cars, get married. And next thing I knew, everything had gotten ripped away in a very short period of time. Were you married at the time? I was actually, when that was all going on, I was in between, like for a while as the the writing was on the wall and things started to go bad, I was still just engaged with my girlfriend. And then we got married and it was shortly after we got married. So it was maybe a year after we got married. My son was about one year old at the time. That's when I decided to exit the mortgage company and, and knew it was going under. So the company ended up going under. You know, they ended up doing a fire sale. My other partners, I they bought me out for a buck. They ended up doing a fire sale, you know, six months after I left. They lost even more? Uh, they they ended up just selling out to a company that kind of bailed them out and got the ship righted. They all had jobs with the company and I chose not to go down that route. I just was, honestly, I was I was at this place where I was just miserable. I wasn't Right. My, my kid done. was one year old. I was not enjoying what I was doing. I wasn't enjoying going to the office and grinding it out 80 hours a week and, and all that stuff. Right. Can you take us a little bit to your mental space when all this was crashing down around you? Yeah, man. I, I think I'm hardwired to be an optimist. You know, I've always been like, <laughs> I'll figure it out. I remember sitting in my office the first few weeks and my mental state was I don't have a plan. I'll figure it out. I just grew a company this big in a very short period of time. I could do it again, simpler, easier, faster on my own. That was my mental state. But I did, it was a weird time because I was sitting alone in an office. I'd gone from a lot of phone calls and a lot of emails down to zero in literally 24 hours. How did that work so fast? Are you saying because you just pulled yourself out of the mix? Yeah, I just pulled myself out of the mix, said I want to, you know, I went to them and said, hey, I want to be done. Two weeks later, I was out. You know, we did some paperwork. And and so the office you're talking about was like a home office or something? Yeah, totally. Home office. Uh, okay, fine, fine. Now, I'm sorry. I was like imagining you at yeah, the yeah, office. No. So that's why I'm like trying to follow. But. No, I, and I think, I think the experience, the mindset at the time was I got to experience almost what it's like when you die, how quickly the rest of the world moves on without you. Um, how quickly people, you know, I, I had kind of thought like, hey, I've got these 200 employees that are relying on me. I left and very few people reached out to say, how are you doing? Very few people, life moves on, life moves very quickly and people are busy with their own stuff. And so I got to experience that firsthand. And that was kind of a weird feeling at the time to 
maybe realize you're not as important as you think you are sometimes. I think we could all use a little humility in our lives. <laughs> and it's interesting that you bring that up as well, because there's actually a concept in Judaism. Not to say that I'm calling you poor, but when you sit there and you had a million plus of assets that you could access, and then all of a sudden you're negative 200 grand, mm. poor might be a, right, again, might be a term that you could use. There's a concept that a poor person is similar to a dead person. Mm. So I find it so fascinating. You're like, you know, well, it was a little bit as if I was dead because I turned around and there was they're all just keeping on going. And here I am. And I'm now neck deep in debt and no idea. I mean, I imagine you had no idea how to get out of it. How did it work that it was in six months that you just lost all those assets? You know, I just had wildly over-accumulated stuff. My budget was out of whack. I took my income down to zero. And your savings depletes very, very quickly when very you know, I think for almost a year, I was trying to keep the company afloat. So we were continuing to every penny I invested, I put back in the company. So part of that money was dumping back into the company. Yeah, for, for almost a full year. It's the best investment in the world when you end up with the unicorn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and I, and I think talked about being poor is like Dave Chappelle says, right? Like I was, I wasn't ever poor. My mindset never got fully wrecked, although it did in certain ways. I was definitely broke. <laughs> I was definitely broke. Yeah. I mean, I use that term because that's the word that they use, you know what I'm saying? But like oftentimes when we think of a poor person, we think of a person who's both destitute with no hope because they just have no idea how to pull themselves out of the situation that they're in. And I, I recognize that that's not exactly what we're talking about here with you. But financially, going, you know, having a $1.2 million swing like that without $100 million in the bank is at least. It's a big hit. Yeah, it's a huge hit. <laughs> it's a huge hit. Well, and I think to your point, my brother in law in 2015 took his own life. Ooh, and so sorry. when you lose things and then you lose hope on top of it, that's when people do some desperate stuff. And if you can keep the hope, you know. I was recently in Israel. And um, so I don't really speak the language that well, but I was sitting there talking to a guy at a bus stop and he's like, well, what do you do? I'm like, well, I'm a motivational speaker. You know, I tell people, he's like, well, what does that mean? You know, like what's, so I, I was like trying to tell him cause this was all in Hebrew and I'm like struggling with the language. And I came up with like a little, little thing in Hebrew and I'm like, you know, like if you've got hope, the entire world is open in front of you. Yep. If you don't have hope, you've got nothing. Yeah, it gets, it gets dark and depressing. I've definitely bounced off in my 15 years. I've definitely bounced off times where you feel hopeless. And those are the dark times. Those are the times that you really need to rely on friends and community and begin connecting with other people. Because if you absolutely if you isolate yourself, it can get very dark, very fast, very dark, very fast. Would it be okay if you took us into one of those spaces for a minute? Yeah. I mean, um, we're hitting the bottom of the trough, by the way, just so you know that we're not hanging out down here the whole time on the show. Like we're hitting the bottom of the trough. We're about to come back out. If I start crying in the fetal position on the podcast. <laughs> uh, Social media, bam. No. Okay. I, times I've hit it. You know, losing the company was one of those times things felt dark for a while. I, and actually oh, right man. after that, my first entrepreneurial try, I thought it was going to be easy. I borrowed some investor money immediately ran that down and lost it within a couple of months and realized now that was actually harder on my mindset than the mortgage company lost. The mortgage company, I felt like I lost my own money. The entrepreneurial first attempt 
I felt like I lost other people's hard-earned money. And that really hit me hard. But I've had moments where I've had to sell sell my car to pay my team. Wow. I've had moments where I've had to sell my car to keep the lights on while I you know, sit in an office to grind it out as an entrepreneur and figure out the next step, the next best thing. And so I just have all these different moments that I can recall. Like that was a moment that could have taken me down. That was a moment that I could have just wallowed in my misery and cried or complained or whatever. And each time I found a way to get around the obstacle, overcome it. And I think that's really the game is once you can hit a place in entrepreneurship where you enjoy the process of seeing seeing an obstacle come in front of you and then finding a way to overcome it, that's when things start to click because you're no longer tying your success to some mythical unicorn, like you said, this, this end result where I'm only going to be happy if I'm making $100,000 a day and I'm working one hour a week. Well, if you tie your end success to that, it can become extremely depressing. I think we're somewhere along that journey, I began to fall in love with the process and just say, obstacles are always going to come at you. Challenges are always going to come at you. It's about how you handle that adversity and how you overcome it. That's, that's the game. Those deep, dark moments when you don't know where the next step is coming from, have you found any like surefire way to get out of them? in your experience? Yeah. I mean, I, I started somewhere around, I I had become almost a hermit for a while where I was deeply ashamed and and depressed and, and things were not working. Ashamed. By the way, ashamed and depressed, it's like those are the words that I think I constantly am looking for. Cause I'm, you know, we're all entrepreneurs. I think not all, but I'm saying many of us are entrepreneurs in this stuff. And, there are those swings and those ups and those downs. And I think that some of the hardest feelings that we have to deal with is the being ashamed, right? Yeah. Like, you know, like I'm trying to do this. Nobody understands unless you're an entrepreneur also. Yeah. And everybody out there is saying, no, you shouldn't do it. No, you shouldn't do it. And you're like, but just a little yeah, more. Yeah, just a little bit more, man. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think. Uh, like gamblers at the poker table, you know, just another hand. You know, it's like, it's like one of those <laughs> things too. You're, you're sitting there trying to, you feel like you're so close for so long the outside world, including your, your family, your friends, they begin to think you're delusional because they care about you and they want to help protect you. And so their advice is always what they know to be safe, which is get a job, uh, get a 401k. I was going to ask how many times you've been told to go get a job, like when you're trying to get your stuff off the ground. Oh shit. And like, I don't even know. I, I mean, we don't have long enough time. Uh, for this podcast. But but yeah, I mean, it's, and so you feel, you feel attacked from your closest family and friends. They're trying to keep you safe, but their advice is it directly against what you want, which is, I don't want a job. I want to figure this thing out. And as you go through that shame and that guilt, I think the surefire way was when I started connecting with other people. And so I started finding like-minded entrepreneurs and I, I built what I call my entrepreneurial chessboard. I would connect with other people in Facebook groups or whatever and be, and just normally, you know, like, man, I like you as a person, you like me, we have a good conversation. And, and one of them happened to turn out to be a Google ads expert. And then I I met another person and we, we had a connection and she turned out to help entrepreneurs write their first book. And so I began accumulating relationships that when times got tough or I got stuck, I could reach out and say, Hey, 
I'm too close to my own problems. I'm a bit confused on what the next step is. And, you know, 15 years into the game, I had one of these conversations with my buddy last night. I picked up the phone. I said, hey, I'm too close to something I'm working on. I need some outside perspective. And we had a nice little half hour chat and he gave me four or five things. And it was, it got me around what was in my headspace and it got me into action today. Those obstacles, we, they're painful enough in the beginning that we want them to end. And I think the reality is they never end. And so you have to learn how to deal with them and you have to build real relationships with people you trust that you can reach out to when you're stuck. Coaches, mentors, and friends. And people who won't just automatically go back to, yeah, uh, maybe you should go get a job so you have some stability. And you're like, but I'm so close. Absolutely. And so it's like building a baseball team, right? You don't need 12 second basemen on your team. I have good friends that are experts in Facebook ads and Google ads and those types of things. I have friends that are experts in mindset and, and whatever. And, and you, you begin kind of building your playing field, so to speak, and your friendships around how you can best support them and help them in their journey and how they can help you when you're stuck on certain things. So there's times I reach out to mindset people. There's times I reach out to ads people but those obstacles never end. So that's the surefire way is, is find people you trust that care about you that are not yes men. You know, I don't need yes men either. I need people that will tell me the truth to help. You almost have to be a little bit delusional as an entrepreneur. You have to be optimistic because it is a tough path. And so you need people that will set you straight, especially if you get too delusional and you start thinking like, (laughs) this is going to be a home run and, and you think you're creating the next Facebook. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. So we've dived deep down into some dark moments in your life and I appreciate that you share them. Thank you. Can you give us a little bit of an idea of the journey that you took from these dark places, from these dips and, mm. and, and how you got out of them and where you started to build them into and, and how you basically leveraged this gigantic failure and this gigantic difficulty and this, this terribly dark moment in your life and everything into a total win. Yeah, man, I think, I think it came down. I, uh, blessings in disguise. So, so to speak, I had a business partner. Always serendipity. We, there's a word for it and other stuff, but serendipity is, is a big winner word. Yeah. And I, and you know, I had a business partner. We had got to the place where we we're fighting it out together entrepreneurially between 2010 and 15. And he got to the place where he got a job opportunity and said, Hey, I want to, kind of stop the grind here and and go figure this out. I, I want to go take this job. That was my moment to say, I don't want to do the same thing and I'm going to go all in on, on my thing. And so what I did was I just took everything I was passionate about, all my strengths and my weaknesses, and I looked at what do I enjoy doing? Where do I enjoy helping people? And I combined it into an offer. And, and that app at the time happened to go down the path of branding and websites and logo design. And and so I built an agency around helping other people start their business and launch their business. And over time, as I, as my skills continue to develop, it grew into the realization that I really love coaching people and mentoring people and helping people. And so that's what I do today. I basically come into a business, I look at what's going on and I'm able to have some mentorship, some direct strategy with them and figure out the gaps. And then my team fills some other gaps with branding and websites and, and the look of things. But that's that's how I started. I just picked 
everything I was good at and what I was passionate about and started helping other people. And I think, I think that's a big shift is when you're struggling, you almost realize I'm thinking about myself a lot. When you can look at, it doesn't matter if you're a health and fitness coach or, or in your, your branding or your websites or you're a podcaster or whatever you are, there's somebody out there that would gladly learn from your experiences and your path and you're an expert compared to them. And so once I began thinking about who I could help, the business started to sort itself out because I just began helping other people in areas where they didn't have the answers yet that I did. Luckily, I've never continued or I've never stopped continuing to develop my skills and my knowledge and everything else. It becomes almost a form of addiction. Today, I get to help people really save a lot of years and a lot of money off their life by figuring some things out very quickly. That took me almost a decade. I know what you mean when you say save them a lot of years and save them a lot of money, Mm -hmm. but can you tell the listeners what you mean by that? Well, I, I think in the beginning, I, I had that mentality like a dumb guy that doesn't ask for direction at the gas stations. Like, no, I'll figure out where I'm going, honey. <laughs> and so I, I took that approach where I'm going to figure this out on my own. It's been four hours since we've seen a single car. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that was my approach. And so for me, I began buying courses and traveling to, you know, buying books courses, traveling to every event and seminar I could go to. And before I knew it, it cost me eight and a half years and $200,000. Wow. And I just, I thought I was solving the problem, but what happened is I created something I call it, I call it the knowledge over accumulation confusion loop. At some point. Does that stand for something? (laughs) No, it, it just is my own little phrase about at some point. Knowledge overload. The knowledge over accumulation confusion loop. Okay. And so you end up accumulating so much knowledge, you end up becoming more and more confused and you see thousands of solutions to your problems and you try and implement them all at once. And I had bought so many books and courses and so many events and, and all that stuff. I had too much knowledge and it wasn't, not, not that you can ever have too much knowledge, but it was confusing myself too much generalized knowledge without an idea of where to apply it. That's, that's it, man. And I needed step-by-step tactical advice from someone that had been in my shoes before, where in my situation, where I was at, that could speed things up. That's where I'm at today is that's what we do is we, we stop the book and the knowledge accumulation in courses and we give step-by-step strategic tactical advice based on where that person's at. So basically you recognized what you needed, couldn't find it in the marketplace and created it. Yeah, I actually did find it. I mean, I found a couple, well, number one, I found out that the majority of my issue and where I got trapped into buying all these books and courses was in my mindset. I had deep shame and regret and guilt over not only the mortgage experience, but the first entrepreneurial experience. So I had to, I had to shift that first. I had to shift my mindset and forgive myself. And then I found a couple of different coaches in different industries and mentors that could help me figure out the online game. Because I was, I hit this place in 2015 where I was, I was lost. I was confused with a massive amount of knowledge and didn't know where to turn. Yeah. So you brought up some stuff before. Uh, First of all, connection, how connection is so vital to everything that we do. Mm. 
and something else also, the giving, right? So, I mean, you know, one of the things that I'm working on right now is one of the speeches that I have developed right now is the five keys to greatness. And I'm working on supplementary materials for like a book and, you know, a course and some other stuff. And part of the five keys to greatness is, first of all, is presence, right? You have to be present in the moment, which is entirely focused on connections either to yourself or to the people around you, right? And the more that you can connect with the people around you, the better off everybody is. It's not just you or me or whoever. It's all of us are better off by being connected because we're in a world today where social media is pulling away that human connection. It's pulling it away. It's, it's not there anymore. We don't have it, but, but we need it. And, and so the more that we can sit there and rekindle that connection and, and, and get human to human, even if it means – what state are you in? I'm in Oregon. Oregon, I'm saying. So even if it means, you know, that we're two and a half thousand miles away, I'm over in Maryland right now, that we're two and a half thousand miles away from each other, but still connecting through a screen, through audio, through all this stuff. So that's a very important aspect to making it forward, to moving forward. And then also giving, I'm saying being able to like, again, like you said, with that shame mindset, with that regret mindset, with, with the mindset that traps, and it's not unique to entrepreneurs, but entrepreneurs are probably most privy to it because we're, we put ourselves into situations where we hit those really deep downs and those really high ups. And, and so we have these like deep shame mindset. We have these regret mindset. We have all these things going on in our head and everything. And the natural inclination is to sit there and withdraw and pull into ourselves and to just be focused only on what's inside. And the more that we can open up and give to the people around us, the more it opens us up and allows us to just get moving forward from whatever we're dealing with. Yeah. And I, I think, man, that's such a good point too, uh, because you want to retreat and your brain is hardwired to keep you alive. Essentially. We realize how vulnerable we are as creatures. Uh, we're deathly afraid of getting eaten or, or dying. (laughs) Literally deathly afraid. Like you said, stay alive. And so drugs, alcoholism, uh, retreating, those are all mechanisms in our head trying to just keep us safe. When you have to do the opposite, you have to do the, those two things are huge to me that I think when my business really started taking off, it was because of those two things, connection and giving. I never felt good about trying to sell anybody anything. We have a few different things. We do these stolen logo free uh, checks. We do website reviews, social media credibility reviews. We do business reviews. We do those all complimentary to people because sometimes People just need a little bit of help to get them unstuck. And and so we do these little five-minute reviews and critiques, and we just give. And sometimes somebody emerges and says, hey, I want more direct help from you, and they become clients. And so like, I had to create a system where I just always felt good about executing. And that's what I try and help clients do too, is how do you create daily routines and metrics and methodologies that you never feel like staying in bed. You feel like, hey, I'm excited to get up and help give to somebody today. Hey, I'm excited to help pick up another client because I know what it's going to do for them. I know it's going to save them time, energy, money, and all those things. Sometimes so much more than that. I think that's a big deal. If you can connect with other people and you can give, you'll get more business than you know what to do with. Yep, definitely. What would be a word of hope that you would give to our listeners? I would say a couple of things. One is there are millions of people that have been there where you're at. If you're struggling and you're stuck and you're frustrated and you're depressed, 
uh, there's tons of people just like me that know how that feels that would gladly help you. Some of the bigger gurus and stuff, this was always my frustration, was they're either too busy or they're way too expensive, you know, to, to invest, uh, to have, let's say, a Russell Brunson come out and sit with you for a day or a Tony Robbins, you know, it might be $100,000 to a million dollars to have them sit with you for a day. Well, when I have my unicorn launched, you know, it'll be no problem. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that was, that was my frustration was like, but the thing I would say is that there are people out there that would gladly help you. They'll take five, 10 minutes. They'll, they'll hop on a call. They'll do a free review. They'll consult with you. There's always somebody out there that's willing to help you get unstuck and just get you past that moment. And I think to not to get too long winded, but there was like a study that they did of people that had made it all the way to like the Golden Gate Bridge that were thinking about jumping off out of like the people that didn't end up jumping. It was something like 97% of them never had a suicidal thought again. they made it past that moment. And so many times when you get stuck in those deep, dark moments, you feel like it's never going to end. You feel maybe like you've lost hope. And if you can just realize it's just a page of your book, it's just a chapter of your story, and you can get through that moment, a lot of times the other side of that moment is something great. I love how you brought up the analogy of the book. It's literally like a book, meaning I'm saying, you know, when you're going through those moments, just imagine yourself as literally the hero of the story, the Harry Potter of the story, the Luke Skywalker of the story. And this is the moment that they sit there and they play that extra dramatic music in the movie and like all this stuff is going on and like, oh no, what do I do? But the whole thing is that they stand up and they keep on going. 100%. They don't sit there and give up. And because if they gave up, there would be no movie. And your movie is way more important than that. And you can help so many people and there's something for you to do. And there's a reason you're still here. And when you can make it through that moment, I, I literally had that thought. And I think part of it, I, I just had these, I had this thought that I had almost 40 chapters of my book written and I was, you know, almost 40 years old. And, and even starting to think things like maybe it's too late, maybe it'll never work, all those things, until I realized maybe there's another 40 chapters to write. And that helped get me through some very dark times. Or more. Yeah, I mean, it's very hard in the moment, like you're saying and stuff, but it's so important to focus on how much more we still have left to do. And, you know, the people who don't want to tell people, oh, like, you know, uh, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. You can't do this. You can't that. You're like, you know, why should I change? I can tell you story after story after story of people who are like at the end of their life. Quote, I'm making air quotes and everything, but they're, yeah. you know, they sat there and they totally turned their entire life around. You know, they made huge changes and, they, and, and, it, and it was big and it was lasting and it made a huge difference in their life. That's part of the, like the makeover master, you know, when we chose the company name, it was just a period of my life where I had completely changed the game for myself. I went from struggling for eight and a half years, not figuring it out, spending a lot of money. And within about 18 months, I'd completely flipped the script and I made over everything with my life, my business, everything started working. And now that's what we do with clients is we try and help them flip that script and get things working when it's not. Love it. What's one piece of actionable advice that you would leave people with? Like one thing that they can do today to help them on their way to greatness? I would say get very clear on what you want. Find somebody that's already done it before you and ask them for direct mentorship or coaching or advice and help. That's the fastest path to speed this game up is to 
be very clear on what you want and find somebody that's already done it before you. Amazing. Awesome. Okay. If people want to get in touch with you, where would they find you? Our website is themakeovermaster.com. Uh, we're on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Mike Young Makeovers. People can connect with us. We do complimentary business reviews on our site. If people are stuck and confused and just want some outside perspective, we do those on our website. Awesome. Anything else you have to add? No, man. I just appreciate you having me on today and, and a chance to share my journey so that somebody else can uh, just keep going, keep fighting another day. Awesome, man. I appreciate so much that you're on the show with us. Thank you very, very much. Thank you again. And keep going on your way to greatness. It's my pleasure. Lisa Fenton wrote, wonderful discussion. Love the theme. Look at what I've grown through. So inspirational. Thanks for sharing. I don't want you to miss a single episode. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Thank you for listening to the Way to Greatness podcast, where we explore the journey from failure and mediocrity to success and greatness. Keep moving on your way to greatness. Join us next week for more stories, inspirations, and interviews to help you achieve the greatness within you.